Welcome everyone to episode two of Music Now Podcast. My name is Brandon Yates. This week, John Groh will be joining us in a discussion about Taylor Swift's stance against Apple, and we'll also get his insight on the current state of the business side of the music world. David Trammell, Jamie White, and I will be showcasing a few of our favorite current songs as well. Hope you enjoy it, and let's get the conversation started. Relating to our discussion last episode about the launch of Apple Music, um, 25-year-old multi-platinum pop princess Taylor Swift penned a letter over the weekend to Apple berating them for deciding to not pay the rights holders or artists for their music during Apple's 90-day free trial of the new streaming service. Quoting Ms. Swift here, This is not about me. This is about the new artist or band that has just released their first single and will not be paid for its success. We don't ask you for free iPhones. Please don't ask us to provide you with our music for no compensation. Well, the letter worked. At 10.30 on Sunday, Apple Senior VP Eddie Q tweeted, We're here for you, Taylor Swift, and other indie artists. Love, Apple. Apple reversed their decision and have agreed to pay out the rights holders from the get-go. It's a win for all artists that stream their music out there on the Internet. What do you guys think? I wonder how stable that board of directors or uh, whoever made that decision for. I mean, they quickly reversed their uh, their decision based on Taylor Swift. I, I realize what kind of machine she is and what that means for that kind of icon, pop icon, to uh, make that kind of statement. But they, it was a quick decision. What Friday to Sunday? Yeah, quick decision, but you know, I, I, one little thing, you know, from uh, Taylor Swift. You look at the the following. I mean, uh, the Twitter followers, the face. I mean, and just the sheer number alone of albums she sells through their service. And also, I forgot to mention she just, she said she was going to pull her 1989 album down as well. Oh. Which you know, I think Apple. Um, if you sell something on iTunes, the artist gets 71.5% uh, and Apple gets the rest. So you take a million of those and that's, that's right. a lot of money. Right. So she not only has the followers, uh, she's, got the, she's got the financial clout as well. I think this will snowball and trend as it, things do on Twitter and whatnot, but it's fantastic. Snowball and trend in what, what way? Uh, for pop artists to uh, take a stand. To call Taylor Swift anytime they got a problem? <laughs> no, to stand up for uh, for what's right. Absolutely, but not everyone has that voice, you know? Um, Taylor Swift with all these followers, I mean, not, at, you know. Many do, though. Many, many uh, Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, we mentioned. I mean, okay. they're not as big, yes. But yeah, you're still. talking about a, a very minute um, grouping there out there in the musical world. Aren't you surprised that she's the one who came out? I am, and I'm happy to hear about it. And I think it is going to set a trend for people like But her. I'm glad she did. Yeah, it'll change the uh, the outlook for young budding artists. Absolutely. Does Matthew Vasquez from Delta Spirit, he might feel the same way, but, I mean, what is he going to do? You know, he, right. he goes to his platform and just doesn't have the quite the same bang. What do you think, Dave? All of a sudden, a, a big fan of Taylor Swift again. I think everyone is. Yeah, it's great. But uh, yeah, it's not. A, it's not merely the fact that she's a pop star. Uh, the snowball trend that we'd like to see happen from this is uh, protecting the artists, protecting the musicians. Yeah, but it's gonna. It's gonna start from somebody who cares that has that much weight and pull. Right. Well, that's why Brandon brought up Delta Spirit. Like you know. Bands like local, and they don't they don't have as much say, and so it's awesome that someone as big as Taylor Swift. It's just awesome that someone that big, absolutely, and with that much notoriety, spoke up against. And it and unfortunately, it did take someone that big to, you know, for the director of Apple to be like, you know what, we're gonna answer to this like today. We're gonna make a decision on this today. I know. And and so it's it's awesome and and it's a great question. How do you buy your music? How do you hear your music? How can I protect the musicians 
How can I protect the bands that I love to go here and see? You buy their stuff. Do you buy their merchandise? You know, do you buy their album? Yeah, they do sell them at the shows. You know, but unless they're selling them out of the trunk of their car, you know, where's that money actually going to? So, it's a great step for someone to say, you know what, we need to we need to be paid. Yep, especially with that much clout that's saying this is not about me. You know. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor Swift. That's That's some good. That's some good news. Someone else who was thankful for Taylor Swift taking the stand she did is one of the all-time keyboard greats, John Groh. John took to his Facebook page yesterday to thank her and show the world what some of these royalty checks can actually look like. John Groh is from New Orleans and was the leader of Papa Groh's Funk for 13 years before calling it quits in 2013. John has shared the stage with just about everyone at one point or the other. Most recently, he has played with Bruce Springsteen. John Fogarty, the Neville Brothers, Alan Toussaint, Don Waz, Dave Malone, Anders Osborne, and the list goes on and on. Today, joining us here at Music Now from his home in New Orleans, Mr. John Papa Gro. Where are you at? How are you, sir? Welcome. Well, glad to be here. Uh, a lot of things going on in the world. So we saw your royalty check here, John, and I've been seeing you play for 20-something years, and I got to tell you, seven cents? Something's not right here. Well, it's kind of a raise. I mean, I've gotten two checks for a penny, so uh, each. So I, I guess it's I'm, I'm doing something right to go up to seven cents. A penny? Yeah, I got two checks for one cent each. I mean, the stamp, the envelope, and the paper more than cost uh, you know more than what what they're paying me. The company's w- wasting so much money. So so how do these royalties actually work, John? Well, because of streaming, because it, you know it happens in real time. You know, someone can't hang on to it not like a record or a cd or on tape so these corporate corporations like pandora spotify yeah all these companies have negotiated with publishing companies like ascap bmi a rate that they want to pay so the seven cents that's just from a couple songs or well, my, yeah, I haven't looked at my statement on 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 what the seven cents earned. I got it yesterday, and I'm I'm kind of just I get upset when I look at it. It really is a waste of my time. Um, but it's probably uh, it could be as as many as two or three pages of streams. So it could be like two three hundred streams easily of one to twenty songs. And each stream is like point zero 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 one or something like that. And so by the time it all adds up, you get seven cents. Well, obviously, we are as fans and consumers aren't doing enough um, for artists to get paid. I mean, does this just mean that you guys are that you're you're performing live until you know the day you die, and there's just there's just no way to to make royalties on these things? Or I mean, what 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 can we do as music fans and consumers to help this? Well, I mean. When I think about, you know, this this has been a problem, you know, since recording started. You know, um, the publishers who owned the re- the recording and the record labels who own the recording, this goes back to like the 20s and the 30s, you know, uh, Tin Pan Alley up in New York City. The business people figured out a way to get Congress to approve a certain rate to pay for pay songwriters and musicians for the sessions and we're still living on a system that's been uh devised since like the 30s i think i think the last time that the royalty rates were actually changed was 89 or 91 89 90 or 91 but congress is the one that sets the royalty rate for songwriters uh to receive from their songs so we're talking before the digital platform was actually brought out there that those rates were set in stand Exactly. And I mean, but then also like, you know, I'm, I'm always reading and researching and, you know, I'm I'm as much a fan as I am, you know, have a stake at the business side of this. I remember an interview that Bonnie Raitt said, you know, right in the height, I think of her nick of time when she was, you know, on top of the world in the early 90s. You know, she's been performing at that point, had been performing for 20 years, finally got a hit. She always said we, she never made money from a record. She only made money from touring. And, you know, I don't really think that's really been much different. You know, I, I think some of the cream of the crops, like the Madonnas, the Rolling Stones, 
Um, now the new new crop, Taylor Swift. Um, you know they they can command millions and millions of dollars because they're selling the records, and they're they're like the face of the industry. But we're talking; it's almost like you know the same as corporate CEOs. You know, you got CEOs making three hundred million dollars, and they're less than 05 percent of the workforce. It's the same with the uh, the musicians. But what's so cool is like you know if Taylor Swift being at the top of the food chain. She's actually speaking up for someone like me who's at the bottom. And that's what's neat, you know, about, you know, everything that's happening with, with all this dialogue that's going on. You know, she she actually stood up for the little guy against, you know, the one of the most powerful corporations in the in the world and won. Right. So se- seven cents or, or not, I mean, it's still, that's, that's, that's something. And it's, it's your rights uh, as an artist to receive that. For me, you know, I'm not going to be on commercial radio uh you know that's not the kind of music that i play i play regional roots oriented music uh but there's a huge fan base for it and they're willing to they're willing to spend money they're willing to buy records they're willing to go to shows they're willing to uh do streaming and download and all that stuff. so uh, there's there's a avenue for me to continue making a living to the day i die but the trick is, how do I get more of that slice of the pie when we feel like it's all being being taken away from us before we even get a chance to get it? And that's what this that's what the streaming business is all about. You know, it's it, for the consumer. I can see the merits of it because you know you pay ten bucks a month, and you have access to hundreds of thousands, not millions of different titles for you to go learn about music. I mean, when I was growing up. You know, you, you you go cut some yard, sell some lemonade, uh, help your grandparents, you know, clean up around the house, try to put together 10, 10 to twenty dollars so you go ride your bike to the record store and buy one record. And you buy that record and you listen you listen to it for two weeks until you can scrape up enough money and then you ride it, get on your bike and you bring it over to your friend's house and you see what record he bought. So now you're listening to two records. And so maybe in a month month's time, maybe we've actually, you know, uh, assumed uh, uh, you know, listen to three to four records in a month time. Kids today, I mean, that's, they could do that in an hour, have access, you know, to that, all kinds of stuff. And that's the great part about it. The trick is, how do you pay the people who actually provide the music? Because the model is completely changing, and there's really nothing out there that's looking out for the songwriter, for the musician, for the artist. What have you seen over the last 10 years as far as touring? You know, you've got your merchandise, you've got your your shirts, your stickers, and your CDs. Have you seen a drop in those CD sales in the last 10 years? I've seen a drop in the CD sales. Um, Papa Grows Funk, we were together for 13 years. Our first record came out in 2001. Our second record came out in 2003. We, in a, a matter of a year and a half to two years for each record, so a period of, you know, up to four years, we sold 10,000 units of each of those records. And I didn't have a record label. I didn't have distribution. Didn't have management. Didn't have a booking agent at that time. We were doing all on our own, which meant we were selling records for 15 bucks a pop after we paid our studio costs and our um, duplication, you know, the manufacturing of the CDs. I was making, we were making probably averaging $9 a profit per CD times 10000 that's pretty good. That, that that was that was in our pocket, and that was enough to invest in the next record, and the next record, and start up buying T-shirts to sell at records. You know, it shows, and that was enough to get us up and running. But but by the time we got to our third and fourth record, those dr- our third and our fourth record that was uh, two thousand five and two thousand uh, two thousand six and two thousand seven, those number dropped uh, at least twenty five to thirty percent, and that's when uh, downloads. Streaming really wasn't the thing but at that point. But downloads, people were buying downloads. iTunes was really in the mainstream at that point. And CD Baby was picking up downloads. And all Amazon was selling downloads. Everybody was selling downloads. So with the download market, um, you know, say you buy a record for $10 on iTunes, Apple takes 30% of that. You're left with 70%. And then you have CD Baby or another company that, does the actual transaction for you? They're going to take anywhere from five to ten percent. So now I'm making sixty-five percent to seventy percent, somewhere in there, 
per download. So now I'm making from $9 a CD, I'm making $6.50 to $7 a download and selling less downloads. So that's le- that's less money. That, you know, I mean, when you think about one record and if we were making roughly $90,000, all of a sudden we're making $6,500, $65,000 on a whole record that costs, you know, twenty five dollars to $30,000 to record, promote, market. That's a big chunk. And then you're splitting that with five guys in a band, you know? I've always been a, a physical buyer. I never got into the uh, the actual downloads, but I got to tell you, you know, um, with Spotify and all these streaming services, you know, it, like you said, it, it makes it so easy. There's so much I can discover, you know, within a short time um, of new artists and to go back and revisit some, you know, some classics that um, I don't have or lost anymore. But, you know, we had this conversation last episode about, you know, how we're getting music these days. And, you know, myself, and I know I'm rare out there, you know, I set a, a budget every month and I go to the record store and I purchase X amount of, you know, music. And then I have two streaming services as well, subscri- subscriptions that we pay. And, you know, it's, I feel, you know, I, sometimes I feel guilty. Like, am I doing the wrong thing here by the artist? Uh, even though I'm still buying albums here and there, like I'm not buying everyone's albums, you know, I'm testing a lot of stuff and, and not finishing the purchase. And, you know, I, I do feel guilty about it. I don't think so. I don't think you should. I mean, it's the consumers are going to spend money on what they like. I understand. But when we see stuff like this, like your your seven sit check, you know, it puts a different light on it, you know, to especially fans uh, of certain artists. And I know every story is not seven cents, you know. Some of them could be less and some of them could be more. But That's one check that I do get. Uh, it is by far the most absurd check that I get. Um, I do get other checks for a lot more than that. Uh, but in the big picture, you know, we're talking hundreds of dollars as opposed to thousands. We're not getting, I'm not making, getting checks for thousands of dollars. Getting checks for hundreds, hundreds of dollars for d- different things from different other services. But, uh, you know, Papa Gross Funk hasn't really done any performing in uh Two, two plus years now. So uh, with the Papa Gross Funk catalog, it's kind of, it's it's waning. But when we were in our, doing our best touring, being, uh, having our best recognition, best recognition, going all over the country and starting to sell out mid-sized clubs, you know, we'd, we'd done well at the 200 seat club level. We were starting to crack in certain markets selling out four to 500 seat clubs. This is after 13 years of driving in a van across the country. Things were going great. We put out our last record. Which was produced by Alan Toussaint, is that correct? Alan Toussaint produced half of it, and Tom Drummond from Better Than Ezra produced the other half. I mean, this record cost us a lot of money, and I was kind of still, I didn't think the model would still be the same as as our first two records. I, I wasn't expecting to make the same kind of money, but I was trying to get attention for the band, and the attention for the band actually, we achieved that, and we, we wound up, reaching a bigger audience, selling out more, selling more tickets to shows. And on that end, it really worked. But, uh, you know, we struggled to sell 4,000 copies in the first two years. And uh, that, that's just tough when, you, when you're trying to, you know, run a business and do all the things that it takes, it takes to run a business and you're, you're sharing that with five guys. It's uh, support a family as well. Yeah, it, it really is tough. And I mean, the finances were a big part of, you know, why we got frustrated as a band because we're doing all of the work. You know, we're getting in the van, we're driving across country, we're uh, playing great shows, we're coming back home, very little money in our pocket, very little money coming through the mailbox. Um, And then, you know, the frustrations grow and people will start wanting to do other things. And I mean, that's kind of like, you know, how we ended up frustrated and broke. But I, I think, but I think the public is is out there. I mean, what I did learn is that through like Pandora, Spotify, every single gig I would say for the last two years, someone would come up to me and say, "This is the first time I've heard you. I found out about you on Pandora. Found out about you on Spotify. So I found out, you know, from all these streaming sites." So there's something about it that does work. You access and you can find a new new fans, and they're we're happy to come. Um, pay a ticket pro- cover charge. They're happy to uh, come buy a CD and or a T-shirt. I did find we sold more T-shirts, bumper stickers, that kind of merch as opposed to selling CDs. Um, but people were willing to put $20 more out of their pockets into our hands if we just had something to give them. 
having to get used to that as opposed to just being a musician. That was, that was tough for me. <laughs> How do you position your songs, your music to play on a random playlist, you know, on those sites such as Pandora or Spotify? How did how does a user end up coming across your band based on I guess keywords or whatever, but you know, I, I did all of that when we first did the records and uh I didn't know what I was doing. I st- and I still haven't really changed any of those keywords in the metadata. In fact, I just learned what metadata really was about a year and a half ago. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the keywords, the, the metadata that, that does all of the fi- uh, the categorizing, uh, I just listed it as things that I thought we went along with, you know, like like bands, the Meters, the Neville Brothers, Dr. John. Um, and then I started thinking about, you know, the Hammond organ and, and, and the, the guitar solo, Santana, Almond Brothers, um, all those kind of things. And I, I guess that's how people got to us. I do know if you go on uh, Pandora and you put on the pop, you make a ch- uh, radio channel that says Papa Grows Funk, the other bands that uh, we get thrown into and that mix and they kind of throw out are some great bands. I mean, New Master Sounds is one of them that come, always comes up. Galactic always comes up. Um, you know, that's just always great company to be a part with, part of. And I think that's how people found us through that avenue. It's like marketing a website, you know, keywords and search phrases. Yeah, it's, it's a whole other thing. It has for me, it has nothing to do with music. But these are all things that I had to had to learn and some kind of skill to to manipulate, you know. But I'm kind of like figuring out as we go, just like everybody else. Apple's gonna lay out million, a million dollar music service, multi million dollar music service. They don't have a clue what's gonna happen with it. They they hoping it's gonna be like the plan, but there's no way they're gonna have to adjust and there's gonna be problems and. The first six months, people will start wanting some money, and there's going to be some issues with that. I, I, I can just see it all coming because they're trying to do something new, which is great because everything that's in place right now is not good on for the musicians, the artists, and the songwriters on our end. It's really good for the consumer, I believe, but it's not a, it's not a win-win yet. It's just a win. How do we improve the system, or do we? Well, the first thing is people like Taylor Smith, Swift, who's like actually standing up and speaking clearly. That's the best part. She's speaking so clearly, intelligently, and positively in a manner that everybody in the world can understand. I mean, when you say, Apple, we don't ask you for free iPhones. Why are you asking for free music? Any kid five years old to a great-grandparent in their 80s can understand the simple premise of what's going on. And she's like such a leader in the whole pop music world. I love it. You know, that's the first start. Educating the people what really is going on. I put my check, my seven cent check up on on, uh, Facebook when I got it because I just thought it was funny. It was so absurd and ridiculous. And I I think about all the hours of uh, that I'll, you know, put into my lifestyle. It's like it's not even a business for me. Music is a lifestyle. I wake up and I'm starting to think, what can I do? in music to further my enjoyment and my career at the same time. You know, every day I wake up like that and that's, that's a lifestyle for me. So seven cents is kind of like, you know, I want to get pissed, but it's, it, it's kind of just hilarious and absurd. So I just put it up on Facebook cause I know I'm not the only one. It's something I saw and I think it all leads to education and I appreciate you sharing that with us all. And hopefully, um, Everyone else will see that and just just think about it. You know, the next time they they download a song or uh, stream a song, just think about these artists out here. Yeah, we all need some help because then we can do more of it. You know, that's that's the whole thing. If we get paid and we can have a a comfortable living, then we can do more. John Grow, thank you for visiting Music Now. We really appreciate your time and wish you all the best. Thank you so much for caring, guys. And before we jump into some song picks, what else is in the news? Dave Grohl. Who saw this story? I did. Dave? Nothing. Nothing. All right. So we talked about Dave Grohl and 
Foo Fighters with Sonic Highway's last episode. So right after that, I don't know what day it was, but it was the day after we put this put our first episode up. Dave Grohl's in was he in Spain? Some, I think it was Sweden. Sweden. Sweden at some festival in front of fifty five thousand people. Second or third song in, you could tell he kind of he's got a ramp out there and he looks like he wants to kind of take off down the ramp and something happened. He just falls eight feet down off the stage on the ground and the band keeps playing and <laughs> they should. Yeah. And Dave's There goes my hero. Exactly. And Dave's screaming on the ground and someone brings him a microphone and he tells everyone, he's like, guys, stop. He's like, I just broke my leg. I just, I just <laughs> broke my leg. Tells the guys, he's like, Taylor, uh, I tell you what, I'm going to go see if I can get patched up real quick and come back out. Taylor, why don't you play some songs? And I, I think they have a, they have a little side band where they do, they do covers and they're called Alanis Morissette, <laughs> Chevy Metal. And so Taylor and the boys take him through about 30 minutes of covers. And here comes Dave Grohl out in a wheelchair with, um, with a medic holding his leg in place. He broke his fibia and his clean ankle, break, by the way, very clean. And his ankle came out of out of place. So, I mean, that couldn't have felt very good. And the guy went on to play for two and a half hours. Campaigned for king of rock and roll all yeah. time. He's my new hero. That's rock and roll. Even though I still don't like the Foo Fighters that much. <laughs> right, right. Doesn't God, change you, that. You got to love that guy, though, right? Absolutely. Yes. You know, uh, I bet he didn't even feel it, though. He was so amped up. Funny enough, he said he go, went right backstage and drank a lot of whiskey and didn't feel it. I thought he, he was sober. Up. Was he not? No. Not after breaking his leg like that. <laughs> All right. Um, so another thing we were talking about last week uh, was a replacement split. And over the weekend, I was in Dover, Delaware at the Firefly Festival and run into a stage manager there. We've been talking and was the tour manager for the replacements during that first run when they got back. What a demotion. Well, it's part of the world, right? A lot of different jobs you work. We've all been there. He's from Minneapolis. Um, I don't know exactly how he got the gig, but yeah, he got the call, and that was one of his favorite bands too. And he, and he, this guy is very low key, calm demeanor. And you so I started asking. Yeah, I started talking to him about. It. I was like, "Well, hey, we had this discussion last week. What happened?" And Dave wanted to know. So, Dave, I went and found the guy at a 95,000-person festival, found the guy with the answer to your question, what it was. I can't wait. Not a coincidence that you searched him out. Not at all. So he just wasn't into it. That was the answer I got. He just was never into it. It was something he had to do. So crazy, right? So it's... uh him like, yeah, I'll do this. I have to do this. It's part of the machine from the band that I was. Yep, we talking. nailed it in our conversation. That's crazy. That was it. He's just right. Never like, into you it. You know what? Uh, this is so against my religion that I'm going to entertain myself, and I'm going to put what's what's he been spelling out? That's what I like. Any more letters? Right. Did any more? No more letters. They were done after I told you. Oh, like, okay. That was it. That was, that was the it. last time they went on stage together. That's the end of the story. I like. That's what it. What are the chances? I know. Crazy. Moving on. Title keeps hitting the news. Those guys are struggling. Yeah. The last uh, episode's the first time hearing about them. And so I did a little, little bit of research. Turns out they've uh, just gone through their second CEO. And how long? How long have they been live? Right out a month. Two CEOs, yeah. And uh, I guess this is uh, Jay-Z's deal. Madonna's involved, and who else? Kanye, Rihanna. He's got everyone in this thing. Yeah, it's uh, definitely overshadowed in the news recently, especially... What was the benefit of paying extra for this service? What did you get extra that you don't get elsewhere? You Well, it's it's $9.99 for the the service, the same as the other ones, but you have the option to pay $14.99 for the lossless. It's the lossless that's the extra. That is correct. Okay. Well, it doesn't sound like they're doing too well. And I don't, I think in comparison, I heard that uh, 
Spotify and possibly Pandora have like 8 million subscribers, maybe more. And uh, titles at like 150, 200,000. Yeah, they're dominating the, the market share. And I don't know if title will get there, to be honest with you. But doesn't sound like it. Sounded like a great idea. I like the lossless idea. I think you care. Um, I try to care. But unfortunately, I can't tell enough. And I don't know, is, is a couple bucks a difference? But and like we were talking about with the Pono, like that's those are all that's that's what that is. And I, it's just not I don't think it's. Well, well, Brandon, you're not getting you're getting lossless anyway. And you're well, it depends on how it was recorded and engineered and all that. But uh, your CDs and your LPs that you're buying, you said earlier that you uh, you barely uh, I guess when you're doing Spotify, you're not getting it. But when you make that big purchase, no, you're I doing just- yourself a favor. Right, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, when you're streaming in the house or in the car with Spotify or whatever, I mean, you have, you're not secluded. You're not, you know, by yourself listening to music. Yeah, there's other things going on usually when you're doing the streaming. So is it worth paying? And most of the time when you're streaming, you're not, uh, you're not plugged into any sort of sound system that's going to merit having lossless data or right and 90 percent of the time your your wi-fi as well and i don't know if, i don't know if that <laughs> don't know how that loses works. anything but let's get into some um some new bands we're digging um jamie yes sir who did you bring today what are you going to introduce us to well it's kind of uh somewhat of a parody of my last stuff that i brought last time was tame impala psych 60s shit it got a little dancey that's what I love about their new album. But this guy, his name is Jocko Gardner. He's a boy, basically. He's about 26 years old. And he's from the Netherlands, just north of Amsterdam. It's a 60s psych thing. It's big. It's kind of on the downslope, but uh, he's really good. And there's a song called Find Yourself off his new album, 2015, Dave. Find Yourself by Jocko Gardner. Summer 
very cool. 60s psychedelic. I like it. You know, it's called uh, Baroque, and it started, you know, it's 18th century uh, symphonic music is what it means. And in the 50s and 60s, I'm sorry, in the 60s is when they started doing it in England. You know, even the Stones early shit had that, like, harpsichord shit going on. Uh, The Beatles even did a little bit of it, but uh, there's some other bands like Love and certainly Sid Barrett. Temples. Yeah, Temples. I guess it's a newer thing, but you know the band Love or, you know, obviously uh, Sid Barrett, but... Very much Sid Barrett stuff. He's got two albums out. He's uh, from the Netherlands, like I said, but July 5th in Dallas, Texas. Jocko Gardner, find yourself. Thank you, Jamie. Very cool. All right, um, so I've got two I want to introduce you to today, guys. Um, the first band is a, a newer band to me. Um, I think they're, they formed around 2009, 2010, out of Chicago, a band called Twin Peaks. And this is one of the bands I was telling you guys I got to see out there, and I had had some very high expectations going in after hearing their their record, and they blew me away. So this track comes off of Twin Peaks' 2014 release, Wild Onion, and the track is Making Breakfast. And the second band I wanted to introduce to you guys today is Wolf Alice. Um, it's a newer band. I think they formed in 2011 out of North, uh, North London. So today marks their first release full album, My Love is Cool, just released today. And the track I want to play is Moaning Lisa Smile. Some other way out of the hole She's over 
think? Well, once again, uh, you're introducing me to people I've never heard of. So I, I guess I come to you for my new music. Hey, so. that's what this whole thing's exactly, about, right? Exactly. Now, you're I learned something me. new today. Yeah, you're helping me figure out new music. I mean, I wouldn't have looked up Jocko if it wasn't for this. So thank you. All right, cool. Dave, what you got for us tonight? It's the new album from a band called Blur. Nice. Yeah. The Ice Cream album, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know the name of it, but I know that's got yeah, a neon ice real. cream on it. Yeah, for real. A neon uh, ice cream cone sign. Did you catch them on Jules Holland? Yes, they're amazing. <clears throat> they're amazing. I've always, I, I haven't always been like the biggest Blur fan. Yeah, me either. But Damon Albarn, the lead singer, uh, has since done Gorillas, and he also did a really cool band called uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen, which had uh, Paul Simonin, uh, the bassist of The Clash. Hmm. That album was produced by Danger Mouse. It's a pretty fantastic album. I what was the name of that? Uh, the Good, The Bad, and The Queen. All right. I yeah, that album. But, the, but and it's Damon Albarn of The Blur. So... Much as I love picking up, you know, uh, a song that I loved from 10 years ago from The Blur, I actually picked one off of their new album. The Magic Whip, right? That's the name of the album. That's the album, yeah. Yeah, uh, but the song I have intended <coughs> is called uh, Terracotta Heart. Terracotta Heart by Blur. Back 
really cool. Thank you. Yeah, man, I like that a lot. Yeah. Not a jive. A it was a mellow jive. So one of my favorite songs from them is from a album probably 10 years old. I'll just refer to it. Uh, the album is called Think Tank by Blur, and the song is called Out of Time. And that, if I played it for you, I could lie to you and say that they just came out with this on their new album. But would anybody believe? But that? I right no, but I thought I'd find something. Well, guess what, Dave? Today's your lucky day. Thank you. We're this is this it. is why you like Blur. Great stuff, and we are out of time. What? Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thanks, and Brandon. give a special thank you to John Grow yes. for joining us today. Great interview. Great interview. Great stuff. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Um, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Music Now Podcast. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you. <laughs>